Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And then there could be a few of you that are saying, I hardly pray once a week. And if I didn't come to church and you had us bow our heads and you led us in prayer, I might not even pray then. How in the world could I pray night and day? This is going to be overwhelming. Some of you might also say to pray night and day. I'd never get anything done. Well, I know the preacher little quotes, you know, the more you pray, the more you get done. The less you pray, the less you get done. All of that. I realize all that. But I'd rather go back to what scripture shows us. Paul said, night and day I prayed. Yet you would have to be honest if you follow the life of Paul just in Scripture that there was no one who was more busier than the Apostle Paul at least as an Apostle serving the Lord. If you agree with that, would you say, "Uh uh-huh? So if Paul was busy building relationships, taking care of his needs, all the persecution he has gone through, writing letters, and then dealing with people, and yet he said he prayed night and day, then I think we see a man... In balance. One who could say, I prayed, but I also worked. I worked, but I also prayed. And somehow, at the end of his life, all that God wanted him to do got done so he could say, I finished the course of my ministry and my life and my purpose on earth with what, everyone? Joy. And so I believe that Paul said, yes, I can be busy, but I can pray. I can pray, and I can still get things done. So we can pray as frequently as God would have us to pray. Look, if you will, at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 there in your notes. And here's what you read. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So not only did he pray night and day, he invited them to pray for him as well, as often as he can. Now, what I'd like to submit to you would be a particular exercise that you might want to put into your life if you say... You know, Pastor, I do want to pray more frequently. What might I do? Now, there's a lot of gimmicks and gadgets that are out there. And I'm going to submit one to you. Try it. At least try this one. If you have another one that works for you, email it to me. I'd like to see it. All I'm trying to do is to encourage each one of us to build a deeper relationship with the Lord and intimacy by speaking to Him from our heart more frequently. And so here's one gimmick. One would be to pray the first two minutes. Just write that down. I'm going to pray the first two minutes. And of course, your question is going to be, of what? Well, I might say, pray the first two minutes of everything. Maybe for some of you, I don't know how you get up in the morning. Maybe you get up when the alarm clock rings or the clock radio. Maybe you have your, your, uh, your smartphone that has an alarm on it and that gets you up. Maybe you get awakened because your mate is shaking you and screaming at you. You got to get up, go to work or go to school. But whatever it might be, maybe you could take the first two minutes and you could start your day by saying something like this. Lord, I am glad that I'm alive and I have an opportunity to know you today and to serve you. Did you catch that? And Lord, I know that in this day that you're going to permit things to come my way to help build character in my life as well as to reach out and to touch other people for the kingdom. And so Lord, I want to thank you for that opportunity and I begin my day ready to go for you. 
Now that took probably less than two minutes. But if it's from the heart and beginning, then do it. Maybe your next two minutes will be while you're driving down the highway. And you're now talking to the Lord in that special time alone with Him. And maybe while you're doing that, you might be afraid that, that as you do that, you might not be able to pay attention. Yes, you can. Because you're probably thinking about a lot of other things before you start your day. But that two minutes in the car, don't turn on your radio. Don't put on your CD. Don't put on your headset to talk to someone on the phone. Take the first two minutes in the car. Tell the kids as you're taking them to school or to soccer practice to say, just a moment. Our first two minutes, we're going to have a time of silence as we talk to the Lord. And some of you men, as you're in your pickup trucks, you're heading into town. Maybe as you park your car in your job site or at your office. Before you get out, take the first two minutes and say, Lord, I'm about to go into my mission field. The pastor and our missionaries have their mission field. This is my marketplace mission field. And so, Lord, I pray that I'll be a man of integrity, that I'll keep my eyes where they ought to be and my mind where they ought to be and share words that ought to be said. And so, Lord, I begin my day two minutes with you. Now, you could take that and fling that in everything from going to a game to picking up your kids to coming home to going to bed at night. The point of the matter is just talk to him frequently. Find something that really works for you. Let me read to you this great writer by the name of Oswald Chambers. You might have heard of him. Here's what he said about beginning each day in prayer. Morning, evening, he says, If in the first waking moment of the day you learn to fling the door back and let God in, every public thing will be stamped with the presence of God. Think about that. C.S. Lewis wrote this about beginning every day with prayer. The moment you wake up each morning... All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting the other, larger, stronger, but quieter life come flowing in. I think you know what he's getting at there, don't you? And so that's starting your day. So find out what really triggers it for you. Now, I talked a lot about starting your day. But may I encourage you, he said, every day and every night, that at the end of your night, that you would take a moment to pray. Two minutes before you go to sleep. You might sleep better, leaving all your burdens on him, reminding that God is in control of everything you can't control, thanking him for whatever he's done to provide for you that day or protect you from something that day. And may I say something to you men, my dear men here, my brothers, my band of brothers. Maybe it's something that we men need to do more often is if we do go to bed at the same time with our wife, which I hope that you do, that maybe the last word she might hear is your voice talking to God about her the last two minutes of every day. So pray frequently. Find what works for you. Build that relationship. Secondly, pray earnestly. That verse goes on to say, and I like this, I want to pick out the verse. It says, night and day Praying exceedingly. Some translations say praying earnestly. That we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So he talks about doing it exceedingly. In the Greek it talks about doing it exceedingly abundantly. So our talking to God is not only we do it exceedingly, we do it with abundance. We talk to him again as often as we possibly can. Look at Ephesians 3.20. It says this. Now to him who is able to do talking about God, exceedingly abundantly 
Above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. That phrase, exceedingly abundantly. Look up here for a moment, if you will now. He says, I will do for you exceedingly abundantly. Now what we do is we talk to the Lord that same exceedingly abundantly back to him. Now, did you catch that? He does for us. We talk to him. And what do you think that does? It builds a relationship of intimacy with him. Now, I like sports. I don't see it as often as maybe some of you do. And occasionally I try to do it. I'm one of those that perhaps watches more of the Super Bowl or maybe the last of the, the championship games and maybe the World Series and all the, st- all the race cars. I might record the Indianapolis 500 and all at the very end to see that, hoping that I don't see who wins on the Internet before I see it after I've taped it. You know, you've been there, done that. But one thing about baseball that I like to see, and some of you that like baseball... Do you remember the times when the game is very important, it's very, very close, and all of a sudden you see the swing of the bat and you hear the crack as it hits the ball and you know that ball is traveling. And as they show you now into the outfield, there's that outfielder and he knows that ball is going somewhere where he is not. And he is barreling because all the eyes of all the world is looking at him because he has got to essentially save the game by catching that ball. And how many of you have seen different shots on television where that ball player jumps up and his arm and his glove is even above the wall and he catches that slams against the wall how many carrying lifelong injuries because of that are running forward as fast as they can to scoop that ball put the mitt there just before the ball hits the dirt and it goes right into their mitt and they scrape themselves up doing it how many have seen at least one play similar to that all right that is a is a visual picture for just a moment let that that ball player was doing exceedingly abundantly to get something he was stretching himself and i think maybe a little bit of that could be in this passage when we say all right lord i want to do exceedingly abundantly better in my communicating with you i want to stretch myself with prayer i want to let go of doing good things so i can stretch and reach the great things for God. It's going to take that. It's going to take a discipline to change, to stretch out like that. I desperately need you, Lord, and I'm going to stretch out exceedingly in prayer to communicate with you. Here's a caveat. Don't forget the passage talks about that we may see your face and perfect or mature that which is lacking in your faith. This exceeding now was so much that Paul wanted those others to be in intimacy with God that he prayed exceedingly for them. Now take that same principle and apply that for your son, for your daughter, for your husband, for your friend, for your employer, for your boss. Exceedingly, abundantly. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, wrote this. When thou prayest, rather let thy heart be without words than thy words be without heart. Let me read that again. When thou prayest, rather let thy heart be without words than thy words be without heart. Abraham Lincoln said this. I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. It goes back to, are we desperate? 
It's when we feel like we're so much in control and we can make things happen and it is about us. We don't need the Lord. We hardly need to thank Him. But it's when we realize that we are so desperate without Him and that we need that connectability with Him. Then we'll see that that's found in prayer. So here's an exercise. A couple of them for you. Again, you might have something that works for you. Send it my way. These are just two I'd like to suggest to you. Try these. When you pray, pray out loud. I know that we can, through just in our hearts, silently pray to the Lord. That is biblical. It is not anti-biblical to pray silently. Some of you are very shy. That's your personality style. Some of you are feeling like I might make a mistake. I might embarrass others. Some of you come from a, 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 a tradition, a religious tradition that says that religion and Christianity or faith or whatever is very private with you. And I, I submit and I, I say that is good. But I have to ask you, is that still working for you? Are you building your intimacy with the Lord? Are you praying frequently and exceedingly with the Lord? Or is it that you use that and you are, but all of a sudden it's turning into just you're thinking about the Lord. You're thinking about your problems. You're thinking about the other issues. You're a little silent about it. You're thinking about God involved in all this, but you haven't really chosen to focus as if you're talking to a real being. It's just a lot of stuff you're thinking about. That can happen on the inside. But when you pray out loud, it's hard to talk, think. It's think and talk. Some of you, maybe you're like me, you begin to pray and all of a sudden your prayers turn into some roadie thing that goes on and you ramble and you just kind of blah, 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 blah. It's in, but you never really focus as you talk to the Lord. Sometimes it's easy to focus when you talk to Him out loud. Now whether you do it in your home or... Some of you might do it while you're driving down the highway. Don't, let, don't worry about what other people, they're driving along, they see you all by yourself with your lips moving and they think you're nuts. I've had that happen. I prayed, I'm just, oh Lord, I pray, I'm, I'm going to town. I look over the guy and all of a sudden he's giving me one of these, hey, bro. <laughs> I mean, you know, oh yeah, uh, don't worry about that. How many of you ever looked at someone else and they're just singing wildly to some rock station beating their steering wheel? Does that raise your hands? Does that happen to you? Yeah, okay. Well, let's not uh, sing to some rock station. Let's talk to the rock. Well, pray out loud. That may work for you. If you need passages of Scripture, David said he cried aloud. Second is, you might want to pray with the Psalms, since we're talking about David. Pray through the Psalms. Why does that help you? You're going to find that David, although he was a man after God's own heart, we most know that he had fallen morally horribly. But apart from all of that, we know that in his prayer, some of the Psalms that he's talking to God about, it starts out with, oh God, get my enemies, doesn't it? In fact, in theology, we call it an imprecatory prayer. Lord, sick them, kind of thing. Lord, look at how mean they are. Let them drink their own blood, kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying, you're kind of chuckling. Yeah, I know, I say all this stuff. You want me to pray that, Pastor? No, what I want you to notice is this. If you'll follow the rest of that psalm, you're going to find that he starts talking to God that way, but he often ends a lot softer where he's trusting in the Lord. Have you noticed that? And what he's really doing is he starts out by, I think, upchucking all this junk that's in him to God, and then he's able to refocus on the goodness of God and let all those problems be with the Lord. And now he says, you know what? As long as I have you, because it's all about you, you're all I need. 
And maybe it's the same way. We'll start our prayers by saying, Lord, look at my boss. Do this. Fire. Get this. Get this. Change this. Oh, God, that's horrible. I hope they're not praying like that for me. And then, Lord, I just want to love them. And I want to pray for them. And I want to help them. Last I'd like to leave you with is this thought. Go back to the verse where it says this. That we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So we're learning now to pray frequently, day and night. We're learning to pray earnestly, exceedingly, abundantly, stretching out with more prayer. But while we do, watch this now, it's very careful, it's important. I will build my intimacy with the Lord by my communing with Him through this, with a pure heart, that will fuel my outreach because now I'm praying that I could see that other person. We might say it this way, Lord, I pray that you will allow me to connect with that other person so that, Father, you would use me to mature that which is lacking in their faith. Now, the reason I want to end this sermon so soon on this point is because I've given us enough to work on by God's power and grace for us now to begin to think. So you say, okay, pastor, where should I begin? I, I want to start now. I want to go. What do I do? <coughs> Excuse me. For some of you, the very first thing you might do is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know that prayer is building a relationship with you, but I don't even think I have a relationship with you. You are God. You're maybe creator, but I don't know you as my heavenly father. I don't know you as the one who would forgive me of all my sin. Now, when I say maybe creator, I'm not saying that I don't think he's a creator. I'm saying that maybe because you doubt that. But right now, what is important is, do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that not only is he God, but that in your relationship to him, you see yourself as a sinner? Now, that's a word we don't use very much. It's almost not a politically correct word. In other words, you might say this. Do you see yourself imperfect and God as being the only one who is perfect? Do you see yourself, because of your imperfection, separated from him by this wall of imperfection? And when you die, be sent to a place because you cannot get to heaven that is perfect because of your imperfection. Do you see yourself realizing that perfection is so perfect that there's nothing you can do to become perfect because you've already inherited imperfection? And so you can't unscramble the egg or unring the bell any longer with your imperfections by just making yourself perfect in the future. So you are hopelessly doomed. And now you're saying, how do I get that relationship? Well, God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a new life. I'll forgive you of all your sin. I will now provide a relationship that we can have together by faith alone. And so now you come to me just as you are. Woo. And I will bestow my mercy on you by not giving you what you deserve, the doom. I'll bestow my grace upon you by giving you heaven and an eternal relationship with me. But you have to come to me and believe that I am the Lord. And I demonstrated my greatest love for you when I died on the cross, shed my blood, rose again, forgives you of your sin, but you must trust me. So for you, your first prayer might be the prayer of admitting to the Lord, you need a Savior. You are now trusting in Him and you're thanking Him for being your forever Savior. That begins your relationship upon which you will now build everything you heard from God's word this morning. The second group might be this. Some of you might say, 
I need to have intimacy with the Lord. In fact, I remember a time I was closer to Him than I've been now. I've let the clutter and the things of life distract me. I need to come back. And so, Pastor, today, I am going to go back to what I've learned. I'm going to be more frequent in my prayers with the purpose of building a relationship with Him. And I'm going to be more intense about my prayer. Exceedingly, abundantly, stretching out, earnestly for that relationship that I have, watch this, but the one now that I want to have for my family with you. I pray for them. Maybe that's going to be where you begin on this journey of improved prayer. Let's pray, shall we, with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's more we want to discover about prayer, but let's practice what we've learned today. Now, don't do it in the flesh, but there are practical things we do. But you do it because you want to know Him. And you love Him so much and you enjoy that relationship that you want others to know Him as well. So again, for those of you for the first time, how many of you today would say to the Lord, Lord, my beginning prayer with you is the prayer of thank you for dying on the cross and rising again, for forgiving me of all the sin I've ever done wrong. And giving to me eternal life in heaven and a relationship with you now and forever. I am trusting you as my forever Savior. Now you can do that silently. And you can do it publicly. But you have to do it. I want to be quick to tell you that even that in itself does not necessarily need to be a prayer. Because I don't want you to be misinformed in thinking that praying is what gets a person into heaven. But it is a transferring of your faith from yourself or works or another ism to only Christ. Now whether you do it through a prayer or not, it's up to you. But how many here today would like me to know that it's today that you're beginning your new journey with the Lord and you're thanking the Lord for what He's done for you on the cross and today was the day that it all came together that you are heaven bound and you believe the verse that says, For God so loved you that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. That if you believe in him, not behave, not believe and behave, but just believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. You claim that verse for you. Now I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand if you're doing that today. Now I'm not going to have you come forward. I won't have you do anything out loud. I won't embarrass you. This is a private thing between you and the Lord. But I'd like to come alongside you as perhaps your new friend. And I will pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I promise that. I promise you that. But I'd like to know if any of you have trusted Christ. And I'd like to include you in my prayer. So is there anyone in here that today, you haven't done it before. You do it one time and today is your day. And you'd like to trust Christ as your Savior. You're trusting Him now. And you'd like to silently let me know without anyone looking around. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here today that would like me to know that? Anyone? Put your hand up real high. Or let me ask this question. How many of you already know that you're going to heaven because of your faith in Christ? Would you slip up your hand? Amen. All right. Now, for you Christians that are out there, how many of you would like to have prayer that you're going to allow God to take you to another level in your prayer time? You're going to do it frequently and exceedingly by His power and grace. Now, what is frequently and what is exceedingly? That's between you and the Lord. I can't put a benchmark on that. You know where you need to be and where you want to be. But you'd like to have someone else pray for you. And I'd like to be that friend. 
So if today you'd like to pray, you'd like to have me pray for you, and again, won't embarrass you, but I'd like to know that you'd like to have prayer today because you want to go to that next level of prayer. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? I'd like to pray for you. Would you put your hand? Oh, amen. amen. Our Father in heaven, in just a few moments we're going to celebrate communion. And Father, what it is, as you taught us, is for us to remember your death until you come again. It's an opportunity for us to do it as believers in Christ, not doing it thinking it'll get us to heaven, but as an outward expression knowing that we are going to heaven. And so as we take these elements, it's not your blood or your body that we're eating or drinking, but these are just representatives of it. So we remember that you, Father, really did live on this earth in the form of Christ, and that Christ is the Lord who died and rose again. Now, Lord, help us all in our journey of intimacy with you because we know as we do and we arrive that it will fuel our outreach to touch other people. Now, Father, we ask this so you'd be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.